Welcome to this episode of Northwest Passages, where we feature readings from passages of books or poetry with a Pacific Northwest connection. I'm your host, Douglas Fur, and today we're finishing with the Ken Kesey book, Sometimes a Great Notion, which chronicles the story of a tough logging family, the Stampers, in a small Oregon town. The patriarch of the family, Henry Stamper, has a motto, never give an inch, and lives it with his actions, with his family, and the other citizens of the small town. The passages we'll hear today is about the backdrop that occurs in a small Oregon town in the dread of November when you hear a little bit more about one of the characters who hides a secret. By that second week in November that year, all the little towns along the coast had become peacefully reconciled to the rain. They had elected, judged, and found it responsible for most of their troubles, and found responsible for the rain itself such impervious scapegoats as the satellites or the Soviets or their own secret and sinful ways. They had found something out of reach to blame and no longer minded the geese reminding them that winter is here, citizens. Winter is sure enough here. All the little towns except Wakanda. Wakanda that year hated the geese more than ever for their infernal night-long nagging about winter. The citizens weren't being allowed the customary piece of blaming like the other towns. These citizens of Wakanda while they had judged and found their scapegoat every bit as responsible as the scapegoats in other towns, for some reason hadn't had much say in their scapegoat's election, and the particular candidate that had been forced upon them that year for all his standoffishness and his hard-nosed, obstinate ways was just too damned available to be classified as out of reach and passed off as impervious. So the second week of rain brought to Wakanda none of the traditional fogginess that descended on Coos Bay and Winchester Bay and Yakutz and Florence and all the rest of the muddy little coast towns where year after year citizens with drowsing but dreamless eyes drift foggily through their winters in a state of near hibernation. Not to Wakanda, not that November. It brought instead to the town a wide-eyed insomnia, a great nuisance of geese, and a wild sort of grim and giddy spirit of dedication to the town's common good. A spirit the likes of which the coast hadn't seen since those big sky-watching, sea-scanning war effort days back in 42, after that single Japanese plane firebombed the forest outside of Brookings to give the Brookings area the distinction of being the only American shore ever to suffer a foreign air attack. This sort of distinction is bound to provoke a certain amount of community feeling. The bombing and the strike, while they exhibited very little in common outwardly, were in a way quite similar in that both had the effect of making the citizens feel, well, feel just a bit special? No, more than special. Let's admit it. It made them feel downright different. And there is nothing like feeling special for hustling a citizen out to round up every comrade he can locate with a corresponding feeling. There is nothing like a sense of difference for getting a man lined up shoulder to shoulder with everybody as different as he is in a dedicated campaign for the common good, which means a campaign either for the ramming of that difference down the throat of an ignorant and underprivileged and unholy world. This is only true, of course, in the case of a bona fide holy difference, or at the other extreme, a campaign for the stamping out of the thing that caused the damn difference in the first place. Meetings sprang up everywhere there was room and warmth enough, like mushrooms after lying dormant for months waiting for proper conditions. Everyone convened. 
Old hatchets were laid aside for the duration of the campaign. The young saw eye to eye with the old. The women stood solidly behind their men. The loggermen consorted with the construction men, although the roads still scarred the loggermen's slopes, and the construction men with the loggers, though a lack of trees still left the road builders' efforts vulnerable to slides and settlings. And the churches went easy on the sinners. Folks had to get solidly together. Something had to be done, something bold. And Jonathan Drager, seemingly doing nothing but chat pleasantly during those days of crisis and insomnia, skillfully helped all the folks get solidly together and gently aimed them toward the doing of that bold something. All except Willard Eggleston. Willard was too deeply involved in the preparations toward the doing of his own bold something to be expected to pick up on Drager's subtle, tossed-off hints aimed at putting the pressure on Hank. Willard just had too much of his own aims to see to during those first weeks of November, too many documents to prepare in private and too many last-minute papers to sign in secret, to have time for writing nasty letters or going out of his way to snub Hank's wife on her visit to town. No, as much as he might have liked to join in the campaign, Willard would have to shirk his civic responsibility. He felt his time too dear, too personal and precious. At the most, he couldn't have devoted more than a few paltry seconds to the common good, though he knew the cause just and worthy. A pity, a real pity. He would have liked to help. Yet Willard, in a few seconds, unknowingly did more for the good than all the dedicated hours of the rest of the citizens put together. When he reached his house, the geese were still confiding with one another, louder than ever in the dark overhead. The rain had grown heavier. The wind had become bolder, stronger, rushing at him from side streets with such ferocity that he had been forced to fold up his umbrella to keep from losing it completely. That passage was from Sometimes a Great Notion by Ken Kesey. The author died in 2001 in Oregon, where he spent most of his life, and is remembered from his many novels, chronicling the lives of troubled characters from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest to Garage Sale and Sailor Songs, all of which are available online. Thanks for listening to this episode of Northwest Passages, and thank you to Connie Furr for her reading. Northwest Passages is a KSQM Studios production.